0: everybody, Justin with the Three Geeks podcast here with Sam Rosenberg, author of Live Ready. How are you doing, Sam? Excellent. Thank you very much, Justin. Awesome. You're here to kind of talk about your book and kind of what got you to writing the book and all about the book. So can you talk a little bit about Live Ready?
1: Oh, absolutely. So thank you for having me on. Um, so you know, short version, I've been in the business of protecting people and organizations and teaching them how to protect themselves since 1996. So I got out of the Marine Corps back when had a stint in the Marines, was a Marine officer, uh, landed kind of when I got out in the close protection world, you know, a fancy pants way of saying bodyguarding and uh, protected a whole variety of people from, you know, heads of state, people like Benjamin Netanyahu when he was the former prime minister at the time to, you know, celebrities and dignitaries that were in high stakes situations. Um, but around 2003, I had a little philosophical shift Mm -hmm. that to me, it's good to have a lifeguard, but ultimately you should know how to swim. So I, I changed my gears, if you will, I shifted gears from protecting people to teaching them how to protect themselves with the same skills and tools we use to protect public figures. And, um, it's been 20 years now. and. You know, I've learned a lot over the years, not only doing protection, but also in teaching people and working with a variety of people from school teachers and soccer moms, if you will, to, to heads of state, that ultimately um, I wanted to get this information in the hands of people in a much broader way. So I decided to, re- to, to to write this book, Live Ready. And it's really the culmination of everything I've learned and the most important lessons learned over the last 25 years. And it's designed to be kind of an operating system, you know, a driver's manual, if you will, for how to navigate life through the difficult circumstances that are out there.
0: Sure. That's incredible. And I, I don't believe this is your first book. But so what got you into writing? And is it just a matter of disseminating information in a concise way that you want people to read? Or is there more to it? Or?
1: Well, you know, when I, I wrote two other books, you know, prior to this. The very first book I wrote, Justin, was it's called "The Path of the Victor," and really what it was was an exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very into philosophy, uh, you know, warrior mentality, warrior mindset, if you will, stoicism, and I just wanted to do an exercise of writing my own personal philosophy towards life and, sure. you know, how to sort of walk and navigate this warrior path, if you will, through all the various circumstances. It's a small book. Um, you know, I've got a copy of it actually somewhere around here. well <laughs> I don't. It's um, all good. Um, the other copy, the other book that I wrote was actually done for one of the Fortune 500s that I worked with. Um, they needed a complete revision of their travel security guidelines. Mm-hmm. And this exercise of rewriting the travel security guidelines for this organization. And they had thousands of people traveling um, we ended up kind of doing effectively a book and you know, that turned into this book right here called the traveler's guide to personal security. So I retained the rights to it and gave them their version. And I rewrote it for uh, a more of a consumer model. Um, but to answer your question, Justin, you know, what goes into it is I, I had been writing this, this book here in my head for the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, And really, I just had to get to the point where I could actually execute it. Um, And I had two very simple ambitions when I did it. The first one was to be absolutely authentic. Um, I didn't want to try and be a hack and and second guess my audience and write a book that I thought people wanted. I wanted to write what was inside. And the second part of it was I wanted the information to be utterly timeless and so it deals with the human factors of violence and whether we're looking a thousand years ago or a thousand years from now it has very little to do with technology it has all to do with how people interact with each other
0: Mm, sure sure that's incredible um yeah so i do want to ask as someone i've really thought about it recently about like how to best protect myself so like when i knew you were coming on to talk with me i was like man this is like prime opportunity. I'm very excited for the book just to read it myself. I'm on your mailing list while I grab the link. The link is below if the, the scroller below. If people will see it. I think it ships December 6th. So people get to look out for that. But what would you say not to give away your book, but what, what was like the core theme or something you want someone like to give away for free to best protect themselves? You know what I mean? What would be something? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that because I, I give stuff away all the time, Justin. I freely... I want people to have this information. In fact, publishing this is like, in my way, giving away 25 years worth of knowledge sure. as, yeah. as inexpensively as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. um, the book actually follows a very simple logic that after you know all the time doing what I do, I've come to certain very simplistic conclusions. The first is that we have these two interrelated myths that we deal with on a daily basis. And the first one is what I call the myth of helplessness. The second one is what I call the myth of randomness. Um, People believe that in the face of certain kinds of situations, they're helpless to resist. And the reality is you are never helpless as long as you can control one factor. If that factor, in fact, is your mind, your ability to think and make decisions. And when we talk about the myth of randomness, the way these things influence us, is that we hear it on the news all the time. You know, the the people call violence random. It was an act of random violence. Someone just snapped, you know, no one saw it coming. And when we hear these kinds of phrases, what we're really saying is we're, we're somewhat abdicating our personal responsibility. We're saying that if violence is random, it is therefore unpredictable. And if it is unpredictable, what possible you know, sort of responsibility can you or I or anyone else have to its prevention or response. Sure. But the reality is that violence is a process and it is a process that is as observable and predictable as the changing seasons if you know what to look for. So giving away information, I'd say the most important thing, where's our starting point? We'll talk about situational awareness in a very high level way. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people, when a security professional starts talking about situational awareness, they they have a reflexive reaction that says, you know what, I already pay attention to my environment. Uh, you know, I don't need this. The reality though, is that paying attention is the prerequisite, okay? That's just the beginning. What you really have to do is know what to look for and when to look. Mm-hmm. So the idea here is being very specific. I go into one of the chapters of the book, we break this down in these five lessons of situational awareness. The the very first one is that we have to recognize we don't see with our eyes, we see with our mind. (laughs) And in the greatest sense to to quote this is that we we find the world we're looking for. So what we really wanna be able to do is observe in a really objective way. You know, to to get past all of the biases and all these kinds of things, and really trust our natural radar. Now, this is stuff that's been talked about many times. Um, one of the people that I think is tremendous at this is Gavin de Becker, who wrote the book The Gift of Fear, which I quote in this book. Um, and you know, The Gift of Fear is about being able to trust your intuition. The problem is, there's more to it than that. Okay. Sure. It, intuition is a learning and adapting process that's based on experience so we have to put knowledge in about what we're specifically looking for so let's just start there you're sure. walking down the street justin mm-hmm. you see someone coming towards you you have an immediate vibe of fear and instantly the brain says creepy guy okay sure. it, it, women can relate to this on a daily basis men can relate to it to a degree or you know they'd they have experiences What happens is we look for evidence and if we can't spot the evidence and we can't put together an articulable logical evidence chain that says aha, here is what caused my fear. Our natural tendency is to dismiss it. Mm -hmm. We say "Ah, I'm overreacting. It's probably nothing. It's no big deal or we go into our ego mode and we say I'm not going to be pushed around or we go into sort of this. Uh, modality of a social contract where we say, well, I don't want to judge a book by its cover. And and what we end up doing is becoming the only animal in the animal kingdom that would willingly participate in its own victimization.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: We dismiss our radar and we allow ourselves to find ourselves in situations that could otherwise have been avoided. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing we want to do is trust that radar. Yep. and the way you do it is by overcoming some of the natural dynamics that inhibit it the number one thing that inhibits our radar is what I would call the veil of normalcy all mm-hmm. right and the veil of normalcy is that most people truly want things to be normal right sure sure they will normalcy bias if you will is the sort of the process that the mind goes through the gymnastics that the mind goes through. To try to find evidence that everything is normal, even when there's evidence to the direct contrary. Sure. So if we're walking down the street and we get that vibe, trust it, just don't dismiss it. Recognize that all of the mental gymnastics we go through to say it's no big deal, a social contract, all this stuff is some level or other, a degree of our, our natural desire for things not to be potentially dangerous. Sure. Now, if we recognize that it is in fact dangerous, then what do we do about it? We have to recognize that we could be in a situation that requires some some tactical execution. That could be managing that interaction, whatever it is. But if we go back to the situational awareness dynamic, the first component is to trust our radar, not override it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The second is this, how do we create evidence? Well, if I see someone, and he gives me a bad vibe and I want to validate it. Look at him, Mm -hmm. right? Every environment that we find ourselves in has a purpose. Okay. So a parking lot, for example, the purpose of a parking lot is to park your car, go in the store, you know, come out, drive away,
0: right? Yeah.
1: So if you're walking through the parking lot, as an example, and you spot someone using that space in a way that does not conform to the space's natural use, Mm -hmm. the question should be why Yeah, going on here. So the quickest way to evidence chain this is why is this person not using the space for its intended purpose? Now we can tell the difference between someone who is say, waiting for a ride or a ride share versus watching people coming and going. Well, if, you're, if you see the guy as someone watching people, which is another one of the lessons is to watch for the watchers. Instantaneously, we have a different level of perspective on what is this guy doing here? Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about being a watcher and watching for the watchers is that it literally does two things. The first is it lets you recognize better mm-hmm. danger. The second is it allows bad guys who may be watching you to see that you are not an easy target just keeping your head on a swivel if you will and recognizing that i need to pay attention
0: yeah right yeah
1: um and you know the, the dynamics there, the final components of this that i won't get into in you know sort of bullet point fashion yeah is just know what your options are if you realize that you're in a situation that doesn't have um a positive outcome for you right you have to yeah be able to respond, whether it's in a concert hall or walking through that parking lot, always be aware of where you can go, right? Yeah. You know, know your exits, know what your options are.
0: Mm-hmm. Does that Let make me, sense? Oh, it's ton of sense. And if you allow me to go on a little bit of a tangent, I want to get your personal opinion on something because I, yeah. I had a very similar scenario, not the not the um, the parking lot aspect, but I went for a walk pre like right during COVID went mm-hmm. down the street way far away. I was on the phone. With my dad had AirPods in and like someone like came up and hugged me like it was like it was like and i didn't know what to do like i froze like my adrenaline just dumped cuz i was like am i about yeah. to get attacked cuz i didn't hear him i had i was talking to my dad like i had him screaming in my ear because he was like what's going on cuz he heard the muffling of like mm-hmm. cloth against like i was like this i was like thankfully he just hugged me but like i didn't you know what i mean i didn't know how to respond i literally froze it was not like yeah. i didn't hit him i didn't do it i was just like i don't know what to do with the scenario i'm in like, what do I do? Like, it was, like, to your point, like I had no awareness of that he was about to do that or the expectation that someone wasn't across the street and do that to me while I was talking to my dad. It was just, it was wild. I, I still yep. remember him yelling into my ear. It was, yeah, it's it's important. It's so,
1: you know, Justin, your experience is really an interesting one because it's people have these experiences. Thankfully, you were not attacked, right? Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. It ended up being a benign type of thing. Um, but what's interesting about it is, why do we freeze yeah so you know you look like someone who could easily handle himself you, you know you, you've been around the block obviously you're not yeah. a pushover the concept is why is it that we tend to freeze well what happens is and I, I go into this in detail I believe in the second chapter of the book right sure. is we get into the idea that when when we respond to anything if you actually think about it in a very simplistic way It doesn't matter what we're reacting to. It could be someone pointing a gun at us. It could be someone, you know, menacing us or grabbing us unexpectedly, or it could be a deer jumping in front of our car. When our brain takes that information in, it goes through a very specific four-phase process that I call SAFE, stimulus, analysis, formation, execution. So what happens is we receive the stimuli that begins the process. And we immediately analyze that stimuli based on experience. Mm. If we have experience, then we have the ability to form plans. If we don't have the ability, if we have the ability to form plans at the end of the day, we can make a decision whether or not we want to execute the plan or not. Okay. So let's take your scenario one step further. Let's say instead of it was someone just surprising you with a hug, someone puts a gun in your face. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's a stimuli that most people have never encountered. And it's actually, yeah, thankfully. (laughs) And it's something that I use as a demonstration because the concept here is just a fake gun and the body language of that will create a lot of that paralysis response. Mm -hmm. But what's happening here is our brain hits the analysis phase and there's either no information there to follow, to draw Mm -hmm. on, or the information that we have or the experience that we've had was say negative or traumatic. Sure. What happens is we get stuck in the analysis phase and that is literally what creates a degree of paralysis. Sure. We freeze. Um, Most people think, you know, it's fight flight. Well, flight was never meant to denote behavior. It was meant to denote a a reaction of the internal mobilization of our resources to fight to survive or flee and escape dangerous situation, adrenaline. The thing is, is that we do, our behaviors are far more complex. We might fight, we might flee, we may negotiate, we may lay in wait, we may sort of feign, you know, uh, submission. There's a whole bunch of different things that we can do. Mm -hmm. The concept, though, is speaking to the physiological reaction of why we freeze. Yeah. Literally, we hit this wall, and it's like a computer searching for an answer. Mm -hmm. And there's no answer there, so we get stuck, okay? Mm -hmm. First time I had a gun pulled on. All right, oh, You know, yeah. first time guy sticks a guy. I was working as a bouncer. Okay. Mm. And I'll share the story real quick, if you don't mind Justin. No, all the time in the world. Yeah, sure. So so literally, I'm working as a bouncer is like, my first security job, I'm in college. And, um, you know, a friend of mine says to me, you know, Sam, do you want a job where you can meet lots of girls but get paid next to nothing? <laughs> like, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. So next thing I know, I'm working as a bouncer in a college bar. Okay. And I was on something like my second shift, literally, Right, it was like a Friday night, the place was jammed. And I'm sitting there, I'm only 20 years old, not even old enough to drink in the bar. And I'm trying to check IDs and look like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And the the sum total of training for this position was the manager, when I was hired telling me like, if there's trouble in the bar we're going to flash the lights in the vestibule where the bouncers hung out <laughs> running in and figure it out okay <laughs> fair enough i didn't know any better here i am all right friday night places jam lights flash mm-hmm. okay me being the gung-ho guy that i am i got to be the first one through the door so i start pushing my way through this shoulder to shoulder crowd yeah to get to this fight and what it was, was there was this kind of like, in my 20 year old brain, what looked like an older guy, okay, he was probably like 40. You know? Yeah, yeah. But he was, you know, in my brain, he was older. And he was getting the better of this college kid, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I pushed the older guy off. I pinned the college kid to the bar because I didn't want him to come back swinging. Mm-hmm. my assumption was my fellow bouncer is right behind me would come and grab this guy. Sure. He hesitates. The older guy does it. he bounces off a crowd pulls a gun out of his waistband sticks it in my face and says now i'm going to kill you all right uh, So, the interesting thing about this was my brain you know how they say your life flashes before your eyes sure uh, well i can tell you my life has never flashed before my life Jasmine. <laughs> okay in this situation or any others that i'd say qualify for deadly yeah. force, you know what what did happen though was interesting my brain instantaneously jumped back like, like in millisecond to this flashback memory of having a conversation with my dad. Mm. Okay. And I was doing karate or something in this memory. And I asked him was like 12 years old. I said, dad, what do I do if a guy's got a gun? And I remember my dad telling me in this very well-meaning, but ultimately unhelpful way. He says like, do whatever the guy with the gun tells you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I instantly flashed to this moment and my computer program was do whatever the guy with the gun tells you. Yeah. The problem is he wasn't telling me to do anything. Yeah. He had threatened me, but it was a disconnect. And I, I did the exact same thing as you just, I literally froze. Mm-hmm. Right? And I was stuck in this immobilized moment that then when the adrenaline hit, and everything started to get quiet. And I everything looked like it was looking down a tunnel and mm-hmm. you know, felt like it lasted like two minutes. forever. Yeah. You know, I had this like probably only last a couple of seconds, but it felt like this elongated mm-hmm. delay. You know, at some point, I realized this is thoroughly unhelpful and unproductive. And I have to do something. So mm-hmm. I, I grabbed the gun and we negotiated our way out of it. And I will tell you, it was just luck that nobody got shot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But the dynamic here was that moment in my history, pivoted my career. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was going to be a school teacher. All right. And I literally went back in the vestibule of the college bar at that night. And I was thinking to myself, what the hell just happened here? Yeah. Right. And why was it everything that I thought I knew about violence? I was a wrestler, I was a martial artist, all this kind of stuff. None of it computed anymore. None of it made any sense. And I wanted to figure this stuff out. And that literally was the decision point that I said, okay, I'm going to go where the toughest people on the planet were, Join the Marines, went through the OCS program, yada, yada, yada. Here we are today. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the purpose of this book literally was yeah. how do I explain this stuff that is people do not know and how do we overcome it? Because what happens with most people, Justin, maybe a little bit, a little bit in your scenario too, sure. was I have this moment where I have an inability to react. Mm-hmm. And I think about it afterwards going, what the hell's wrong with me?
0: That, I that had exactly that. I was like, cause I've done martial arts all through my 20s. Like I was like, mm-hmm. I can definitely throw a kick. I can punch a guy. Like it was just like, I just didn't know what, like I was not prepared for that
1: specific thing. I was like, well, mm-hmm.
0: I guess I'm stuck. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> the natural reaction, let's take that to the most extreme yes. for a second. Yeah. Let's get dark for a second, all right? Yeah. In every instance of mass homicide where someone survives very often, where people survive, mm-hmm. very often we will hear the same story where people say, I didn't know what to do, so I played dead, all mm-hmm. right? I guarantee you playing dead was not a conscious coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. It was a complete paralytic response that we talk about in the book called tonic immobility, where people literally they lost the ability to physically take action to function. They're still there cognitively, but the brain, the part of the brain that is responsible for our survival has effectively shut you down into the most extreme level of paralysis. Women who are sexually assaulted very often, something in the neighborhood of 68% of the time, experience a degree of tonic immobility. It's not that they didn't want to fight back. It's that they physically couldn't. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is the, the, the main enemy, if you will. All right. It's not the bad guy. It's losing the ability to perform under high stress situations. Mm -hmm. And when we turn that around and say, what is the objective of the book? Live ready. What Mm -hmm. is the objective of my company and the training that I provide? It's to ensure that you can think and make good decisions, even under extreme stress. It's not about turning people into a ninja, right? And that requires a specific kind of mindset and a specific kind of training. And that's why we begin by unpacking, if you will, this, what I call myth of helplessness that has been woven into the fabric of our society. Okay. And we've all been conditioned. Um, You know, the, the story I like to use about that is, again, not to get, you know, uh, unhappy stories in here, but the, the story I like to share is the, it's like the story of how they used to train a circus elephant. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm Um, that what they used to do was take a baby elephant when it's small and chain it to a stake in the ground. Right. Yeah. This little baby elephant would pull and pull on that chain until eventually it gives up. Mm -hmm. And what happens is what it means is when it's fully grown and it's the largest, most powerful land mammal on the planet. A human handler can lead it around on the end of a rope. Yeah. In the mind of the elephant, it's helpless to resist. Okay. Right. It wasn't born that way. It became conditioned.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And I truly believe that most people have been similarly conditioned that we are incapable or or we shouldn't respond to violence and take the responsibility on our own sure you know but we we know that the lifeguards won't be there we have to be able to respond and make decisions so that's the that's the whole basis of that that myth of helplessness and why we freeze to a, a very short degree mm-hmm. i can't wait for you to read the book
0: i'm excited i'm already on the mailing list as soon as i was like ah oh, this is for me i was,
1: thinking, was very
0: interested yeah. <laughs> um what kind of martial like arts did you do I've done Taekwondo. I've done a, piece, a bit of Judo. I've done some Muay Thai. I've, mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I was at a college that offered a lot of different things, so I just joined a bunch of clubs and just, awesome. and just did it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I loved it. I, if they weren't so expensive, I'd still be doing them as a more of an adult. I guess. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, I loved it. Um, so I do want to ask you more questions, but yeah. when can folks get your book? I know December sixth is shipping, but when I know there's a mailing list. Like, what are some of the mechanical pieces of your book? how to
1: get it. Like so that. easiest thing to do is go to livereadybook.com. That's one way to go. You can go to my main website that I see scrolling. The live is our landing page. You can find the book anywhere books are sold. You can get it on Amazon. Um, I'm super excited that we have achieved the uh, top new release tag on Amazon nice. in our category, which is really sweet. Yeah. Um, and we were number two on the bestseller list in our category and we're just in pre-sales that's incredible yeah so i'm super excited like please get out there buy the book uh get a copy for your family your friends i just got right before i got on this podcast one of my clients said i think amazon's so backed up on this that they're they're pushing people into January for delivery That's expectation date. That's incredible for you. That's awesome, man. Yeah, That's it's incredible. pretty cool. I feel like I wish it would come in December so you'd have it for yeah. Christmas, but you know, yeah. nonetheless. Um, but, uh, you know, if need be, you know, there's a, um, there's a variety of other booksellers there as well, but please buy the book on Amazon so that we get that traction towards our bestseller status. Right. Sure.
0: Yeah. Of course. I also was reading through your website. Are you doing some like live, like I saw Pittsburgh, I think and maybe somewhere else, LA,
1: Have I read that right. Yeah. Well, we're doing a lot. We're having a book, uh, kind of signing event, a book launch party in Pittsburgh, cool. uh, December 11th. Okay. And, um, you know, if you, uh, if anybody wants to attend, send me an email, go right to our website and shoot us an email and we'll get you all the invitation information out. Um, rather than trying to explain it here, I'll just send you the, the event bright list. Sure. Um, and, uh, we're looking at doing one probably in January in Los Angeles, uh, undecided yet exactly when, but it, it'll probably be, um, uh, in Beverly Hills somewhere. Cool. And, um, we, uh, I'm also, I'm based in Pittsburgh. We do a lot of training. So, you know, the book is the foundation of everything. But uh, if you're interested in a live training event or a seminar, just give me a shout,
0: you know? Yeah, I'll, yeah we're, a lot of our folks are Midwest based, where we're based in Columbus. So hopefully we get awesome. a lot of some listeners to go out over to Pittsburgh, that'd be cool. Yeah, be outstanding. Good. Yeah. Um, cool I do have two questions for you a little bit deviating from the book and more about your experience do you have a fun like guard story like whether that be the military or like some celebrity like anything you like sharing or it might be fun to. Hear
1: yeah about. I, I mean I can't share a lot of details okay. about a lot of my protection assignments because uh, so many of them were were um, are confidential right sure, sure. but some of the folks that we protected I mean that I can talk about I mean we protected Tom Cruise we protected um, you know, Warren Buffett. I mean, it's, there's some, there's a variety of things like that. But, um, you know, I would rather not get into sure, the. Sure. don't yeah. have to.
0: Of course. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. C- can I ask kind of what is, what is your mental state like when you're on the job? Like, did you ever sleep well? Like, how is that like, you know what I mean? Like, it personally be hard for me to like not just be on edge all the time if I'm knowing I have to like guard somebody
1: else, regardless of who that person is. You know, that's a great question, Jess. Now, I will tell you right now, when, when I was doing executive protection work, you know, and close protection work, it it is a uh, you have to have a one track mind. OK, so I try to tell people that, you know, doing that sort of work, you have to literally be, for the most part, kind of a, uh, you know, a warrior sort of hermit. Right. Right. Sure. <laughs> You can't worry too much about other things and and really as a business owner right now with all the different hats that I'm wearing, I am not the person to be doing close protection on a 24-7 basis. My head is drawn in 15 different directions. So I have other people nowadays that I've trained to do that sort of work and do it really, really well. Sure. But yes, you have to have a very specific mindset and you have to remain focused and you also have to have the ability to relax. Mm -hmm. So just like with situational awareness, knowing when you have to turn on and when you can switch off is critical. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk to any Secret Service agent or whatever, they would burn out so quickly if they tried to stay on all the time. Mm-hmm. that you get really good at cycling when I'm in a moment where I really need to be on top of things and really paying attention to every visual cue and everything else versus when other people are managing that and I am o- able to to get some downtime and and shut down right yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the critical things that have always been very helpful for me is yoga okay and breathing exercises you know in terms of managing the stress sure. and being sure. able to go from a high state of focus and and stress if you will to being able to get back down to to baseline and manage um you know we talk about some breathing exercises in the book but we uh you know there's a lot more to it i would say if you haven't explored yoga it's a great way to to sure. really understand that stuff i've cool. been doing that since the late 90s
0: that's awesome no i definitely check it out that's a good suggestion for everybody i'll definitely take that take you up on that um, that leads me into kind of my last question for you um the transition from being that full-time security personnel guarding someone to like easing into a, a business owner what was that transition like was it hard was it hard to like switch off and be like hey i don't have to like obviously be hyper vigilant but maybe not to that extent of being a professional bodyguard
1: you're you know once you're wired a certain way it never goes away right you know talk to any combat vet or you know military you know veteran Mm -hmm. they'll tell you they 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 can spot another veteran a minute you know in a second right Mm -hmm. the thing is is that you're that the 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 type of mental process for close protection it's exhausting um it, it you have to sacrifice a lot you really don't have any other focuses what I really specialized in was higher stakes, you know, scenarios where we had very, very high risk, someone was being targeted, and it had a beginning and an end duration, probably the longest protection detail we dealt with was about nine months. All right. Okay. So you know, I never really got into the everyday, day in and day out, you know, kind of moving around with a celebrity for the next three years. Sure. It's a different mindset and a different gig. So we were doing high stakes, relatively short term protection assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they had a purpose. And what happened was I naturally started to gravitate from doing close protection to doing more protective intelligence work and understanding threat assessment and how to evaluate threats, to teaching self-defense, which I had always been highly, highly interested in and doing when I wasn't doing close protection, I was teaching self-defense. And I started to have some experiences that make me want to develop my own curriculum, my own system. Sure. Sure. And when I first decided to make the change, Justin, I had zero problem with it. I literally gotcha. went from one day, I'm no longer doing this, and now I'm going to be teaching. And it was about two or three years, maybe four years went by, and I had enough demand from existing clients and people asked me, are you still doing close protection? Can you still support us? Can you still do threat assessment? That mm-hmm. I then set up another organization um, effectively, to be able to provide that type of service to our clients. Now we have this kind of two organizations, technically, but it's all one umbrella. Uh, and, you know, we provide preparedness and intelligence and protective services. But realistically, Justin, the smallest facet of our business right now is the protective services. Cool, work. cool. Um, it's mostly training and preparedness and support, intelligence work
0: sure cool
1: that's awesome thank you
0: thank you it's been a pleasure truly to talk with you sam tonight um go check out sam's book live ready please get it get it from amazon let's keep it the number one spot or get to the number one spot if it hasn't if it's slipped at the time um but awesome thank you for joining us sam um, Justin, thank been, you so much of course it's been great thanks everybody